Welcome to the Breathe Easy Critical Perspective Podcast. My name is Dominic Pepper, and in this podcast, we interview leaders and experts in critical care. And for today, we go to Toronto, Canada to discuss optimal PEEP and lung recruitment maneuvers in ARDS. Hi there, my name is uh, Jose Dianti. I'm an intensivist. I'm uh, currently a postdoctoral fellow working at the Interdepartmental Division of Critical Care Medicine at the University of Toronto. Hi, I'm Ewan Gallagher. I'm an intensivist and clinician scientist at the University of Toronto and based at Toronto General Hospital. It's a pleasure to have both of you on the podcast. Uh, today we'll be discussing uh, your article published in the Blue Journal. It was published in February 2022 and was entitled The Association of PEEP and Lung Recruitment Selection Strategies with Mortality in AODS, a Systematic Review and Network Meta-Analysis. Um, so maybe I'll actually get to you and to kick us off. Um, why did you perform this systematic review and network meta-analysis? Well, as you know, uh, the question of uh, how to set the PEEP in a patient with acute respiratory distress syndrome remains a fairly vexing problem despite having many, many trials. And I think it's a challenging literature to sift through, uh, partly because there are so many different ways of setting the PEEP. And traditionally, when people have uh, tried to meta-analyze this literature, you end up lumping a lot of different PEEP titration strategies together as a single intervention to compare to control. And so it gets, it gets very noisy, I would say. And so I think this systematic review and, and, and network meta-analysis was an opportunity to try and um, you know, parse out uh, the different types of strategies with a bit more specificity and try to clarify the meaning of the literature as it currently exists. So definitely, uh, the adjusting people, setting people in patients with ARDS can be very challenging. Um, Jose, uh, why did you uh, perform this systematic review? Well, I would uh, I would say I, I I do agree with with you and that the main issue here is that most previous studies have never compared different strategies. If, if you go through all the PEEP titration strategies that exist out there, and the trials actually published about them they almost always compare a given intervention, say higher PEEP using the PEEPFIO2 table, esophageal manometry, lung recruit maneuvers or not, with the low uh, PEEPFIO2 table uh, obtained from the ARDS network. The only exception to this is the, it's a study by, by Baedler published in JAMA a couple of years ago where they used esophageal manometry and they compared uh, this uh, method against higher PEEP, but most of them actually compared to lower PEEP and, and uh, that makes A, all the comparisons are used against the, the, same, uh, the same control group, and B, as you once said, it kind of makes all the posterior net, uh, normal, pairwise, sorry, I should say, um, meta-analysis compare very varied strategies because you could argue that just using the table versus setting to best compliance or using a, a, a lung recruit maneuver or not, or uh, using esophageal manometry might have different physiological effects and they all get lumped together in the same group. And, and that really doesn't make sense in terms of uh, if, you, if you want to apply it to physiology and might also account for the uh, uncertainty about, the, about these results. 
Yeah, we always struggle with this issue in critical care. Do we go for one size fits all or do we um, go for personalized medicine? And there's definitely advantages and disadvantages for each. Um, Ewan, maybe for the benefits of our audience who aren't familiar with the ARDNS table, what is the difference between the lower PEEP, higher FI2 table versus the higher PEEP, lower FI2 table? Well, essentially the difference between those uh, two strategies is that for any given FiO2 requirement, you're applying more PEEP. And uh, the goal is to try and increase the, the average PEEP being applied. It's basically a way of achieving separation between arms. Um, it's interesting. There is a little bit of evidence, to, physiologically speaking, to support that approach in that uh, the in, when you use that high PEEP FiO2 table, the resulting PEEP level at least seems to be correlated to actual lung recruitability. So that's the basic difference between a low and high PEEP FiO2 table and a sort of rationale for applying that approach. Actually, and then for the benefit of our audience, so if they um, have a sense of the numbers, um, with the lower uh, PEEP uh, FiO2 table, uh, for an FiO2 of 40%, you'd give a PEEP of 5 to 8, whereas for the higher one, you'd give a PEEP of 14 to 16. Uh, for patients with an FiO2 of 50%, with the lower PEEP FiO2 table, you'd give a PEEP of about 8 to 10, whereas with the higher one, it'll be a PEEP of 16 to 8. And then finally, um, uh, for an FiO2 of 70%, um, for the lower PEEP strategy, you would give a PEEP of 12 to 14, but in the higher strategy, you'd give um, a PEEP of 20. So there are significant differences in the PEEP levels if you go for the lower versus higher PEEP FiO2 table. And then just to clarify, um, Jose, um, when you were using um, higher PEEP versus lower PEEP, you were referring specifically to the uh, these PEEP tables, or were you... Um, referring to low PEEP, meaning a PEEP of 5 to 10, a high PEEP being PEEP of 15 to 20, um, just for the benefit of our audience uh, when uh, reviewing this article. Yeah, no, so uh, I think that's one of the main differences. Uh, when we divided uh, or selected the, the groups or the, the different intervention groups based on, on, again, this mechanistic and physiological approach, we decided uh, to have an approach where we had one group that selected a, a higher PEEP and used uh, what we call uh, a short-duration lung recruitment, recruitment maneuver. So that would be, in our sense, again, mechanistically and physiologically speaking, a lung recruitment maneuver that wouldn't apply a lot of energy or, or potential injury to the lung. Then we selected a higher, we, we uh, divided another group that was a higher PIP with a prolonged lung recruitment maneuver, which would be basically, well, its name is sort of stated, it's a, it's, a, it's more energy or more potentially injury delivered uh, to land. And then we chose the higher PIP, which basically selected any strategy that included a uh, higher PIP that did not include a land recruit maneuver. And that also did not include uh, esophageal manometry because we reasoned that physiologically, the goal of using esophageal manometry for PIP, for PIP titration is sort of different. Uh, so that's specifically the higher PIP group in our study, which does include the study using a, a higher PIP FIO2 table, the classical study by, by, by Brower, but it also includes other studies such as uh, the express trial that uses a PIP titrating to uh, uh, the best plateau pressure, another study that evaluated the used PIP titrated to best compliance, and another study that included a PEEP level titrated to minimal collapse by lung ultrasound. 
that's a useful overview of um, how you separated the two groups. So you had a lower uh, PPFI2 table group and then uh, the rest of the patients who didn't fit into that group and then you stratified by lung recruitment. Um, Ewan, maybe you could uh, uh, give us some more details about the methods of your uh, systematic review. Um, it appears that your uh, primary outcome was mortality and that you performed a network meta-analysis. Can you explain for our group, for our audience, what that means? Yeah, for sure. I, I Just to one, one minor point I'd add to the discussion about the different people levels that's probably important to interpreting and applying the results is that, um, th you know, thanks for specific, specifying the actual PEEP levels in the low PEEP of IO2 table, because I think it highlights the fact that current clinical practice really reflects uh, a low PEEP strategy on general. You know, the existing epidemiological data we have suggests that uh, people typically apply a PEEP in the range of 8 to 12 centimeters of water which is most consistent, I think, with a low PEEP strategy. So I think that, that makes the, the results of the paper interesting. Um, so we, we uh, applied uh, a network meta-analysis approach and, and uh, without getting into the gory details, uh, the network meta-analysis approach is a really intriguing and I think very useful approach to meta-analysis because it doesn't require you to uh, treat every intervention as the same intervention. You can actually uh, develop uh, different groups of interventions and then compare those groups among each other. One of the real strengths of the technique is that it lets you compare groups that have actually never been formally compared in a clinical trial. So if you have multiple different higher PEEP strategies, all have been compared to a low PEEP strategy, well, this becomes a way of actually comparing these different high PEEP strategies among themselves as well. And so, um, for example, this becomes a useful way of comparing higher PEEP with or without lung recruitment maneuvers. So I, I think it's a, a very useful strategy. And I think you see more and more high-impact meta-analyses going to, to the network approach because it sort of better takes account of, of these differences, these really important differences in, in the types of interventions. And in terms of your analysis strategy, it appears that you used a Bayesian approach. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Well, Bayesian statistics is is uh, does not generally produce dramatically different results from the traditional frequentist approach, but in general, it's it's more informative because one of the out, the main output you get from a Bayesian analysis is the probability that uh, that a patient will or that the population of patients benefits from the intervention. And I think that's really the very relevant uh, parameter uh, for decision-making at the bedside. Uh, patients and their families aren't that interested in p-values, but if you tell them there's a very high probability that this improves outcomes, that's the kind of information that they want. And occasionally in certain situations, uh, the Bayesian approach will give a different interpretation of the data. I think one thing that's very useful about Bayesian analysis, is it also allows you uh, to incorporate prior information where uh, such information is available. And that can also make the final result of the analysis more informative. So there's a few differences. And finally, the network uh, meta-analytic approach itself, the modeling is, if anything, a bit easier under a Bayesian approach um, for kind of mathematical reasons that I don't fully profess to understand myself. But uh, I think uh, in general, it's, it's uh, an effective way of going about doing this kind of, of uh, study. So basically, in this uh, uh, systematic review, you wanted to determine which uh, PEEP strategy was most effective and beneficial for patients with ARDS. Um, used the network meta-analysis 
um, an evasion uh, uh, analysis as well. So let's jump into your findings. Uh, Jose, what did you find? So I would say that the main finding, maybe that we found that there was a very high probability, that that's a 99% probability, that a higher PIP without lung recruitment maneuver strategy reduced mortality uh, compared to a lower PIP strategy. And uh, we also use a uh, great criteria to establish the certainty of the evidence. And this specific com uh, comparison was found to have a high certainty of, the, of evidence. So that's probably the, the, the strongest conclusion of, of our study. Um, likewise, I, I'm, I'm following up on, on what you and said. The nice thing about the network meta-analysis is that it allows you to uh, have results on comparisons that have never been evaluated. And out of those, I'd say that the most striking finding or, or probably most relevant uh, is that the higher PIP uh, without land recruitment over strategy also showed a very large probability of uh, mortality reduction compared to the higher PIP with prolonged run recruit maneuver strategy. In other words, and that's how we presented in the paper, this higher PIP with including the prolonged land recruit maneuver, which is basically using staircase land recruit maneuvers, uh, significantly, or had a, I, I, I shouldn't say significantly probably, but uh, had a high probability of increasing mortality. And this was with moderate certainty of evidence. So we're, we're pretty, we're pretty, uh, sure that, that these results uh, do apply uh, to what we do every day. So I think those are the two most uh, likely, most striking, striking findings. And Yuen, uh, what was your take home from these findings? Yeah, I would emphasize the same thing as Jose. I mean, I think one of the, the big uh, shifts in the conversation around, around a higher PEEP strategy happened after the publication of the, um, the R trial um, and updated meta-analyses that include the R trial overall don't suggest a benefit from a higher PEEP approach. But this is really because, as I said, we're lumping together very different approaches to setting PEEP and treating them all as, a, as, as the same intervention of a higher PEEP strategy with or without long recruitment maneuvers. So, uh, you know, have, having the ability to parse out these different types of high PEEP strategies that either include a brief lung recruitment maneuver or a prolonged lung recruitment maneuver really helps to isolate the, um, in with greater clarity the effect of a high PEEP strategy all by itself. And so I think the, the results that we have here, you know, pretty compellingly support the use of a high PEEP strategy, which contrasts a lot with current clinical practice. And secondly, really uh, weighs against the use of, of lung recruitment maneuvers. Uh, brief lung recruitment maneuvers don't seem to be especially dangerous, but certainly don't add anything. And uh, prolonged lung recruitment maneuvers uh, seem to be, uh, you know, have a high probability of worsening the outcome. So I think this actually really clarifies the current state of the literature. And, uh, and I think hopefully will inform uh, clinical practice guidelines and, and clinical practice as to the management of these patients. Um, uh, and as I said, I, you know, consistently studies seem to suggest that Clinicians are generally using low PEEP, and, and, and uh, I think our data suggests that this may need to change. So I think most folks who read your article would agree that uh, prolonged recruitment maneuvers would be harmful for patients based on what they've seen in this study and previous studies. Um, you may get pushback um, from some who would say, well, of the folks who um, your comparative group is obviously the low uh, PEEP, high FI2 table. 
But in the intervention group, um, actually only one or two um, studies used a true high PEEP, low FiO2 table as the intervention group. Um, admittedly, um, when you look at the comparison of the actual PEEP levels in each study, um, four of the tw four of the sixteen studies seem to have a clear difference between the PEEP levels um, that are similar to um, the ARTNET tables. You know, the high PEEP, low FiO2 versus the low PEEP, high FiO2 table. So, what would you say in response to that? That twelve out of the sixteen studies didn't actually have a meaningful difference or a significant difference in their PEEP levels after randomization. Uh, for example, uh, some groups had a PEEP of 12 versus 10, others had a PEEP of 14 versus 10, um, uh, or 10 versus 10. Uh, some may say that you just didn't have uh, enough uh, differences between the two groups to uh, say that they actually did target a high PEEP, low FIO2 table setting. Yeah, that, that's a very thoughtful question. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to respond. So, uh, you know, in general, the first thing I would emphasize is that these are tests of different strategies, not of different PEEP levels per se. So when we're comparing the effect of a, of a strategy on the outcome, one of the ways that we determine whether the strategy has an impact on actual PEEP setting is to do what you've do, just done which is to compare uh, the different PEEP levels. And if it was the case that we found no difference between higher PEEP and lower PEEP, and then we looked at the actual difference in PEEP levels and found that many of the studies hadn't meaningfully modified PEEP, well, that would be an explanation for why there's no difference in, in treatment effect. But if we find a difference in outcome associated with a different strategy, then I'm less concerned about finding uh, small differences in PEEP in some studies because those differences are really snapshots of PEEP setting at a brief moment in time. They don't probably don't fully reflect the true magnitude of, of physiological effect of the different strategies. And uh, so, so that information about lack of physiological difference in some studies is more relevant whenever you don't find a difference in, in clinical outcome. So um, th that's basically how I'd respond to that concern. I'd also say that our findings uh, reinforce those of previous meta-analyses. I'm thinking particularly of the of the seminal meta-analysis by Matthias Briel, who uh, did an individual patient meta-analysis of um, three of the main trials that uh, were included in, in our meta-analysis and found very similar results in patients with moderate or severe ARDS. So I think, uh, although I completely agree, this meta-analysis, as in any meta-analysis, is vulnerable to the fact that we lump together a lot of different high PEEP strategies that don't include uh, lung recruitment maneuvers. Um, that's basically the cost of, of doing meta-analysis in general. And, and at the end of the day, when you're doing a, a network meta-analysis, you have to decide how much of a lumper and how much of a splitter to be. And we did present uh, some sensitivity analysis in the supplement where we we're, were even more of a splitter than we were in the, in the main paper trying to address some of those concerns and found pretty similar results, I would say. So I think, um, I think it's a kind of sensitivity analysis that reinforces the validity of the primary conclusion. Yeah, um, I think that's a good response. What some may counter to that is um, in the higher PEEP strategy groups that you included, what they specified was that um, you'd give a tidal volume of you know, six moles per kilogram per body weight but that you would adjust your PEEP 
um, based on the plateau pressure. And for some, they specified a plateau pressure of less than 30. Um, what some may say is, you know, if I was had a patient with an FIO2 of um, 70%, with the low PEEP, high FIO2 table, I'll give a PEEP of 12, versus with the high PEEP, low FIO2 table, I'll give a PEEP of 20. Um, but clinically, I probably would stick closer to 16 rather than 20 if I was going for a higher PEEP. Um, so they may argue that the, the numbers that they would actually place into the bin later would be lower because they're also factoring in the issue of plateau pressure, which has been shown to be a very important predictor of mortality. Um, how do you respond to that? And then also, are you able to comment on any of the complications um, that were noted in the studies about using the higher peak, low FR2 um, strategy? Yeah, again, that's a very thoughtful question. I, you know, one of, one of, the, you, one of the, the general principles I would say is that, um, of course, we need to integrate clinical wisdom with, with our application of the evidence. And even in a network meta-analysis where you're able to parse out the different types of interventions in a, with a bit more granularity, you're still reporting average treatment effects. And it's certainly possible that some uh, PEEP strategies like a high PEEP FIR2 table, if it had uh, incorporated a more restrictive plateau pressure criterion, as you're suggesting a clinician might, uh, would have achieved an even larger effect than what was observed. Um, but we don't know that until we do the clinical trial. And in general, I would say that if, if a particular approach uh, proves to be beneficial, then it's probably wisest to, to, to manage the patient the way the patient was managed in the trial. Um, but again, the limitation of the meta-analysis approach is that you're lumping together multiple interventions. So for example, even if a high PEEP strategy is associated with, with benefit, one is left a bit uncertain about which of the high PEEP strategies to adopt. So I would acknowledge that as a limitation. So at the end of the day, I think one has to integrate uh, these results with clinical wisdom about what seems safe and appropriate in any given patient. And so uh, that's what makes medicine interesting and challenging at the same time. But I would also say that the evidence suggests that, uh, you know, when one thinks it's safe to increase the PEEP, one probably should be doing so in general. Yeah, to add to that, I would say that the, that the, our higher PEEP without lung recruitment over strategy also again, as, as I said before, include other strategies such as a plateau uh, pressure or limited or targeted strategies such as the express trial and one by compliance. So it doesn't necessarily imply that, that we're not saying or the study, the results that don't say the high PPFL table is actually the answer. It's just strategies that group higher PIP compared to lower and that do not include a land recruit maneuver. And, and that's like this, my interpretation of uh, how I read this and how I would apply these findings at the bedside, knowing that most likely, and I'm pretty convinced about that, but that doesn't have to do with, with the specific study, that limiting tidal distension is probably the number one intervention. And then after that, deep selection should, be, should, should follow at least that premise. Yeah. And then in terms of important limitations, um, Jose, maybe you could go through this with our... Um, audience, um, what were the important limitations that you want the uh, audience to be aware of when reading your study? Yeah, for sure. So I'd say that the number one limitation of our study 
and is that we didn't have access to individual patient data. So we wouldn't know about each patient's uh, potential for lung recruitment or, or recruitability, whatever you want to call it, which I think physiologically and mechanistically speaking is probably an important determinant uh, when trying to select a, a, a certain PEEP or even when trying to, if anything, decide if a lung recruitment over is warranted. Uh, uh, and I think that's probably the number one limitation from our study, knowing that data might eventually change results because a priori we would think that only patients with high potential for lung recruitment, that that would be patients in whom lung stress is uh, reduced as we increase PIP, would benefit from higher PIP plus minus lung recruitment maneuvers, and patients with low potential for lung recruitment would actually accrue harm from the, from the actual higher PIP. So I think that that would be the, the main limitation. And secondary, we don't have specific data on, on hemodynamics. So again, another potential complication of using higher PIP with lung recruitment maneuvers is that it might negatively uh, impact uh, cardiac uh, preload and afterload. And uh, that might also sort of pose some limitations, which are also, I should say, inherent to the actual studies that, that we included and the fact that we did not include individual patient uh, data. Uh, although we wouldn't have been so sure on what to include about the individual patient data to actually account for recruitability. Uh, but having said that, I would say that that would be like the main limitation. Thanks, Jose. And then, Yuen, uh, what other limitations do you think the audience should be aware of? And maybe you could comment on that safety issue. Are we able to uh, uh, look at um, hypotension uh, a barrel trauma uh, from the higher PEEP strategy? Um, yeah, for sure. So uh, I think probably the one of the big limitations is the way that we're lumping together different interventions into groups as we've already talked about. And one of the critiques of the, of the paper that was offered by the editorialist had to do with this complex meta-analytic issue of intransitivity, which basically comes down to whether different kinds of interventions are genuinely comparable from the data in the way that they were set up for comparison in the analysis. And, you know, I think that's a judgment call that one has to make about whether the different uh, uh, comparisons um, satisfy the transitivity criterion or not, and uh, will continue probably to be an item of discussion. I think, and, and because you're lumping together different kinds of interventions, the, the fact that the high PEEP without lung recruitment maneuver group of interventions appeared to perform the best still leaves one a little bit uncertain about which of the high PEEP strategies to actually employ in clinical practice. And I would say there's probably some freedom on that front uh, that uh, one should use the strategy with which one is most familiar and uh, uh, to apply. Yes, certainly we, we uh, were able to look at um, some of the safety endpoints. Uh, I think uh, in general, the results are pretty reassuring that uh, a higher PEEP without lung recruitment uh, maneuver strategy does not significantly increase the risk of barotrauma or other complications and um, uh, certainly seem to be safer than, uh, than a prolonged lung recruitment maneuver approach. So overall, uh, on, those, on those points, the data were quite reassuring. And then are you able to comment on um, uh, paralytics that were used uh, in these studies? Because uh, there, there's definitely been a push uh, 
to move away from paralytics, uh, different from the original study in the, with the aim of um, minimizing um, ICU weakness and neuromuscular weakness. Um, so maybe you could comment on that, uh, Ewan. Yeah, uh, so I guess the question is whether paralytics would be a, an important co-intervention. We didn't specifically explore that analytically. Uh, you know, many of these trials were conducted certainly in the older uh, or earlier era of ARDS management. Paralytic use might have been somewhat more common uh, prior to the publication of the ROSE trial. Um, that being said, it's not clear to me that uh, paralytics would necessarily um, significantly modify the effect of higher versus lower PEEP. Um, and it would really depend on whether or not uh, patients, how heavily sedated patients were, whether they were breathing spontaneously or not. And all of those kinds of, of issues we really didn't have access to analyze and I think would be interesting and important considerations for future trials. So I think it's a really interesting point but I don't know that we have enough information to comment specifically about it. Based on your findings, um, one may take uh, the following message, you know, uh, you obviously need to be mindful of PEEP when setting uh, your ventilator settings with ARDS. You could start with a lower PEEP, high FR2 table, but in some patients, um, it actually benefit them to target a higher PEEP, provided you keep the plateau pressure less than 30 or 28. Uh, depending on the clinical situation, and that you need to be mindful of the harmful effects of PEEP as well as the beneficial effects of PEEP. Would that be a good summation, uh, Ewan? Yeah, I think so. I, I would say these, these results really encourage more routine use of higher PEEP uh, according to a strategy that uh, clinicians think is safe and prudent in their, in their, and can be applied uh, effectively and consistently in their clinical setting. Uh, and um, I think they're very reassuring uh, to your point as well that the use of a higher PEEP strategy is safe and, and appropriate in ARDS. So it'll be interesting to see how, how others who are writing guidelines, integrating this information with other studies, will, uh, will um, reach conclusions about how this should change practice. I think that'll certainly be interesting discussion over the next months and years. And then, Jose, um, we uh, heading towards the end of this podcast. I do definitely give you uh, the opportunity to leave any concluding uh, remarks with our audience. And um, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to just uh, summarize for our audience, you know, the take-home messages um, about your study. And then I'll give you an, uh, the final word. Jose? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So I would say my take-home message for this is a higher PEEP strategy that does not include a lung raccoon maneuver and limits distending pressure, as in limits uh, plateau pressure to 28 or 30, uh, reduces mortality or is beneficial compared to both a lower PIP strategy, but also to a higher PIP strategy that includes lung raccoon maneuvers. So I think that uh, that would be sort of the summary and how I interpret this data and how I would approach, how I would take this data to the bedside. Uh, when taking care of functional patients. Yeah, so this was a this was a fun project to work on, and I want to congratulate Jose and others who led the led the study, led the analysis, and um, did so much work to bring this together. I think it's been very informative. Some of the big takeaways, I think, is how really highlights the utility of of uh, this analysis approach to bring clarity to to uh, literatures that can be quite noisy in our field. 
And I think it also uh, highlights the fact that, you know, going forward, we, we need to do trials that really take into account individual potential for lung recruitment. Hopefully, as we, as we find ways to design those kinds of trials and to run them, that uh, we can better clarify which patients really benefit and, and which are harmed. Here, we're reporting average treatment effects for a whole population. And I think ultimately we're after the individual treatment effect uh, and, you know, to, towards a precision medicine and ARDS. So lots of work remains to be done, uh, looking at phenotypes, looking at physiological measures of, of lung recruitability and so on. But I think uh, this paper was, was a great step forward to, to give some guidance for, for future trials as well as for ongoing management of patients. No, I definitely agree. And congratulations to you and your team for putting together this work. It's a, an 80-page document, and I know that it's a lot of work correlating all the studies, putting it all together, creating those tables, and then analyzing it. So kudos to you and your team for a really outstanding project. Um, thank you, Jose, and uh, thank you, And A big thank you to Dr. Dianti and Dr. Galliger. And a big thank you to all of you for listening to the Breathe Easy Critical Perspective podcast. I'm Dominic Pepper for the American Thoracic Society.